Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. This podcast is made possible by the Promethean Project, a nonprofit wellness center creating a one stop shop for mental, physical, holistic health and wellness. For every $100 raised, the Promethean Project is able to help one person in need through different programming, such as the Brian Odian Leadership Initiative, the Jared Koslick Mentorship Program or the Strengthening Healthy Families program. Please visit thepromethianproject.org backslash donate to help us make a difference. Welcome back, listeners. This is again Stephen Opolinik bringing you episode six with my friend Oscar Pedroso. Oscar and I first met at Valley Venture Mentors. We were both in the startup accelerator to pitch our companies, the Promethean Project for us, our nonprofit, and Oscar pitching Thimble. Throughout the months that we got to spend together, I realized that Oscar was a stand-up guy, very positive thinking, very engaging, and very welcoming to other people. He made the process of going through the Startup Accelerator a little bit more um, welcoming and more enjoyable. Oscar is the CEO of Thimble, uh, which is a startup that he is creating, not his first, but the one that has the most traction going forward. Uh, We talk a little bit about the startup, a little bit about his passions and his histories, and we get to dive a little bit deeper into what makes him such a positive person. His stories and insight are amazing and relatable, and just listening to him talk about positive ways of engaging and then being able to take a negative situation and flip it on its head to make it more positive and use it to your own benefit is awe-inspiring and hopefully this message reaches out to you guys and and hits you when you need to hear it. Oscar's enjoyable to talk to and very open about his passion and his love and helping people in diverse settings, the education that they deserve, and the ability to tinker with some awesome engineering um, projects. So uh, please take a listen. And look at the show notes. It has Oscar's contact information. And if you know someone in the school systems, or if you're interested yourself in learning more, please contact Oscar. So without further ado, episode six starts now. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. 
Well, welcome to episode six. Uh, today, our guest is Oscar. Oscar, how are you? Doing well, Steve. Thanks so much. How are you? Good. Uh, I feel like I haven't seen you in forever, but it's been like two weeks. I know. That's usually how it feels like every time I leave Springfield. <laughs> so, uh, what what are you up to today? What are you What are you doing? Uh, well, I had uh, well, I started my day going to the gym, slammed some laps, and then ran to a couple meetings, and then now I'm here doing a podcast with you. Nice. It's a good way to start the day, I think. It is. Yes, I usually like to start the day off with a workout, but that's not always the case. Yeah, no. But doubt. I get it out of the way, and it's liberating to the mind. So, so I do want to think I do want to talk about your swimming habits because I think um, that's a pretty cool way to start the day. But then also, it's a good practice. I feel like swimming's a great equalizer. Uh, you can have someone who could deadlift five hundred pounds, but you could have an eighty-year-old lady outswim that person. Um, so I want to get into that a little bit later. Sure. Uh, do you want, so why don't you just introduce yourself, uh, and your background and your story to the listeners? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, well, my, as you know, my name is Oscar Pedroso. I'm the founder and CEO of an education technology company based in Buffalo, New York called Thimble. And basically what we do is we provide curriculum for schools to teach their students robotics, programming, and technology skills, mostly middle school and high schools. So not only do we provide the curriculum, but we also provide hands-on tips that help students build really cool projects like robots, quadcopters, all different types of electronics. And that curriculum spans seven grade levels. So it starts in fifth grade, and then it ends right around 12th grade. And I got into that. Most of my background is in education. Um, after I graduated from college, I worked as a college admission officer. Um, so I was working in the engineering school there. And then on the side, I was a tutor. Uh, I was originally teaching math. And then that grew to be uh, more of a standardized test tutoring business where I was helping kids study for the SATs, ACTs, and later GREs and GMATs for graduate students. And then that morphed into an application consulting business. I was, with my college admissions background, I was helping students figure out their strategy for applying to schools and then helping them craft their story. And uh, so that was my first gateway into the education space. And after that, I decided I didn't want to just be a solo founder. I actually always envisioned working uh, as part of a team. And so I started my first EdTech startup after the tutoring business, it was a small business called Gradfly. Okay. And it was basically online journals for engineering students. And so we were selling a product in the higher ed space, which is pretty challenging. Um, we had a few customers and we raised a little bit of money, but we ended up folding the business because it was just a very difficult business to run without the right capital and infrastructure. So it was because of that that I was able to find an opportunity in the K-12 space because a lot of members of the site, you know, we had a couple thousand users on the Gradfly site. A lot of those uh, people identified as hobbyists and wanted to find a better way to get involved in um, electronics. Nice. And so after hundreds of interviews and calls and surveys, I arrived at this one concept of 
delivering a different project in the mail, which is what would become Symbol, the very beginning of Symbol. And that's how we landed here. That's awesome. So I, I never got a chance to ask you this when we were in the startup, but uh, where did the name come from? Symbol. So uh, my co-founder and I, we were part of a robotics competition. And one of the challenges involved was building a robot with the components they had provided us. But then at the very end, once the robot was fully built, we had to sew clothing onto this robot to give it a personality of some sort. And uh, we had never sewed anything before. So we tried anyways. And uh, we uh, eventually started pricking our fingers with the needle. And so one of the, one of the organizers, uh, for whatever reason, had a couple of symbols in her purse. And so she uh, was like, here, guys, use these. And so there we were, uh, building a robot and sewing clothing onto it with symbols. And then it eventually became an inside joke. And when we were thinking about names for the business, that was one of them. And we thought, well, why not? <laughs> we'll just build a brand around symbols. And, and that's, that's, how, uh, that's how it came to be. That's awesome. I love that story. Um, <laughs> so so you've, had a, you've had a couple like of your own businesses and and thimble is your your baby right now what got you well i guess first what got you into um the engineering like robotics um field and then also i guess a follow-up question to that would be um with the background in colleges and tutoring what got you um into being an entrepreneur Sure. Yeah, I would say, um, so high school, I was involved uh, in various robotics teams, and I was also on a math Olympiad team that did pretty well, and math was my favorite subject in school, and uh, so that my, my exposure there was in high school. In college, I did dabble a little bit in robotics, but I felt definitely out of my league there, just because there were kids who were just eons beyond where I was, and that wasn't it wasn't a bad thing necessarily. I had a ton of interest going into college, so it was just a matter of figuring out what my priorities were. Um, but I did eventually become a mentor for a couple of robotics teams while I was in college. It was mostly mentoring high school students. And uh, so that's really, that and then coupled with um, teaching myself how to code. Uh, so those two have always been part of my world. And then as far as entrepreneurship, I don't think there's anyone in my family that, that identifies as an entrepreneur. And I've always just wanted to do my own thing from the get-go. Right. Um, it, it stemmed from having a difficult time finding a job out of college. Um, eventually, I landed a, a, an admissions uh, job at, at, at my alma mater, but I was never really content with just that. And, and I've, ever since then, I've always took things in my own hands and just gone with it. And I even enrolled in a community college class to learn about entrepreneurship. <laughs> and uh, and it was, I took it with a friend of mine. Uh, believe it or not, <laughs> my friend, who he and I, he wanted to start a, um, a business uh, treating, um, um, oh my God, not a, uh, what was it? Oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on, on, the, on the business name that he had for it but it was a crematorium, basically, which sounds pretty morbid. And he wanted uh, to name it holy. He wanted to name it what? <laughs> uh, crematorium? Are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, um, I mean, it's it's a 
you know, it's a need that's out there. Yeah, but um, I certainly didn't have an interest going into that, but it was one of those things where he was like, let's do some research. And eventually we ended up tossing out the idea because uh, there weren't enough people who died in the county that we lived in at the time. <laughs> I was oh, what like, a Mark, love you, love you to death, but um, I have other ideas for things I'd like to get started on. <laughs> do you remember the name, <laughs> what he wanted to call it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, well, it was his name. He came up with the name Holy Smokes. And I was like, I don't know if that's going to be well-received, dude. <laughs> so, not to mention that it's a highly regulated business to begin with. So I thought, you know, there were quite a few players in the space. And I was fine with working on something else because, again, I wasn't planning on working in what I consider to be a pretty sad industry. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you have to have a passion if you're going to be building your own business. And if you're not passionate about uh, crematoriums, it's probably a, a good out. <laughs> yeah, when you realize that enough people don't die for there to make any for it to make any business sense, you know that there's something wrong with that. <laughs> you guys could have just moved to like more of an unhealthy area, and would have True. been rich. Maybe. I'll leave them. I'll let them go with the flow on that one. <laughs> That's a great story. Um, so, so you told me your background. You told me about Thimble. What uh, what motivates you to keep going? Because being an entrepreneur and, and, and starting your own company, besides the fact that you want to go your own way, can be really daunting. And from my understanding, you've done a really good job so far and you have a lot of traction. But what gets you through the day-to-day grind or, or the, the motivation to keep going with it? Well, I would say it's, it's harder in the beginning because there are so many things that are uncertain, um, especially before you have traction. Um, I think one of the hardest things about running the, the uh, second business that I started to grapple was there was, there was a little bit of traction, but there wasn't enough to continue the momentum. And when you're not able to raise any money and keep the business afloat, you have to make a decision. And even then, I always still knew that I was going to continue going forward because I believed in, I, I always told, I, I was always told, like, if you really think there's a market need for what you're doing, keep going. There's probably going to be multiple pivots along the way. Um, you just find a, a way to make it work and obviously make ends meet. So while I was, starting symbol, I was also bartending on the side just to be able to pay the bills. I wouldn't have been happy going to work at a job nine to five. I just, I had a committed to myself a long time ago that I was going to start a business and build it and create something impactful. Um, and so, so part of it is just believing in yourself and committing to the cause you're going after. And so there's that, and then also surrounding yourself with people who are going to be able to help you along the way, um, whether that's family, friends, community supporters. And I've always, I think I've always done a good job of, of trying to gravitate towards groups that are going to help. That's why I ended up at Valley Venture Mentors, because when I got there, I wasn't getting here in Buffalo, New York. So, you know, I'd say it's a combination of things, but... I've always, and I'm generally a very optimistic person, almost to a fault at times. So you couple that, (laughs) being glass half full all the time and always seeing the good good in everything, um, that's going to help 
make you even more persistent, even when things get pretty tough. And trust me, we've definitely we've 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 come pretty close. Well, that's great that you're still able to be optimistic and keep pushing forward. I've always wondered uh, because you are in Buffalo. How did you hear about Valley Venture? So the director at the time, I don't recall her name. She reached out to me uh, two years ago and encouraged me to apply to the 2018 cohort. So that was how I originally found out about the elevator. And then uh, I, I applied. I started filling out the application, and then I just never got through the first phase, which was when we had to analyze everyone else's ideas and give them feedback. I just There were just so many, and I thought, I can't do this right now. I'll just apply here. And another year passed by, and I got an email from Dorota, who's the director of the program, Shout out and, to Dorota. I uh, know, uh, Dorota, hello. <laughs> uh, I ended up just uh, applying and finishing everything and, and then ended up getting in. That's awesome. And and when you, because it's a multi-round process, and when you finally got in pre-accelerator, um, what were you thinking? Were you thinking, oh, I'll go check this, or were you on the fence about coming out to Springfield to see it, or... Well, I had three things in mind. I thought, okay, um, one, I'd love to be part of another support group that supports entrepreneurs. Two, it's another area on selling to schools because um, we've never sold to schools in Massachusetts. So I thought, okay, if I'm part of this program for six months, I'm pretty sure I can get connected to a couple of schools while I'm there. If anything, start a couple of pilots. And then three, always um, be part of people who have business experience, particularly in my space. Um, that wasn't really so much the case at Valley Ventures, but um, I always, it's funny, like I didn't really have a clear goal when I applied for the program. I just thought this could be nothing but good and it's going to help me in some way and, you you know, I'm going to make that happen in some form, whether it's getting introductions to to a school or to an investor or or you're possibly just learning about something I didn't quite know about. And that also turned out to be the case many, many times. That's awesome. Um, I, I, I just love the way you were able to break it down about coming out and focused on wanting to get into the program, but then also, Hey, even if I don't, or if, if I'm only here for a little bit, I can garner these connections and reach out to another area that I may not have access to before. Um, that's the power right. of positive thinking right there, my friend. Yes, it is. I, and that reminds me of a story that you shared in, in one of the boot camps talking about how you went, um, to go pitch your company to someone and you were able to turn that interview into something different, even though it didn't work out for, for the investage. Uh, do you mind talking about that a little bit? Oh yeah. Yeah. I had, uh, I was contacted by an after-school program director in Syracuse, which is about two and a half hours from where I live. And so she sounded pretty interested in buying quite a bit of product. So I, I drove out there, but when I got there, it wasn't so much the case. Not because she didn't want, because they just had budgetary constraints. Mm -hmm. And so I probably should have done my due diligence a little better before I got out there and saved myself the trip, because probably this could have been a phone call. But I was already there, and... Um, I ended up just turning the whole experience into a customer interview. We're asked to receive questions to better understand how after-school program directors think about our product in general. 
Mm-hmm. And I was hoping to leverage that to just um, get in front of other after-school programs and, and having a, you know, refining the business model a little better on, on that side. And do you think that interview helped you with your approach to this? It did. Um, we we actually received a grant from uh, National Grid, which is a utility provider here in the area, and yeah. we ended up having to donate a few of the kits that we make that National Grid purchased, and one of the regions where it was going was Syracuse. So when I when I had this opportunity to present to someone in Syracuse, I immediately thought of the person that I sat down with for two hours. And uh, she was enthusiastic about getting free kits. Who doesn't want anything for free? But right. it was just one person who, who I connected with in the past, and now they're actually using our projects, and they're very excited about it. And you just never know whether that's going to turn into something in the future. So, you know, it's an example of how I was, how I was able to turn that around in some fashion. And that's amazing. I love hearing the second part of the story that I wasn't privy to before of how that actually did come back into play. Um, and, and exactly, I think, yeah. I think it's anyone who meets you, Oscar, I, I think it's pretty palpable just how positive of, of a guy you are. Um, but it's cool to see that you're able to roll with some of these things that would have you know, derailed some of, some other people in, in this area and turn them into more positive interactions. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, it's, it's, I think it's all about how you view the world and, and just your overall um, attitude about things. I mean, even during like the toughest moments when I've been pissed off about things in general, it's just, I let myself be pissed off for however long I need to. And then once I'm done, I'm not really a person who holds on to anger or, or holds resentment. So, I get back into the swing of things, and if I if I can salvage something, I'll I'll go ahead and do it. And if it doesn't work out, then I just move on. Yeah, I think that's a pretty powerful way to view the world. It's very easy to get stuck in that emotion and, and kind of stay in that emotional state of being angry or pissed off about something that happened, and really feeling like a victim in that sense. And it's very hard to get out of that the more you allow yourself um, to stay in that area i think it's fair to persist the emotion and then ask yourself okay what's my responsibility here to move forward how do i do that how can i make a shift even though what happened to me wasn't my fault but it is my power to turn it around and move forward and i think that's the difference in a lot of ideas of philosophy or psychology uh, that focuses on positive goals and interpretations as opposed to just focusing on the past or symptom management. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I have so much, so many things to say about that too, because there's just so many emotions involved when you're starting something up. And I've, I think I've heard, I've heard someone else say it before, but I love it because it makes me think that there's still a light at the end of the tunnel. But, um, it's for, for every 19 nodes, that I get, I get one yes. So I think last month, everywhere I went, I was getting no's here and there. I was like, all right, this yes is somewhere out there. And then a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, we got um, an interview to this bid that we're doing through New York Power Authority. It doesn't mean it's a bid by any means, but um, 
I thought this is something good. It was great. Yes. You know, like those yeses are the ones that, that help me continue as well. Right. And I think, uh, I think that's amazing that you can hear no so many times and, and keep going forward and, and questing for your goal and that in this arena specifically and, and keep motivated. Uh, I feel like it could be really isolating at times hearing no so much or getting critical feedback sometimes. Um, but, but holding on to that, that one kernel of uh, a positive is always amazing. Definitely. Yeah. It's, um, I'll also share too that uh, sometimes people can be rude and nasty either via email or phone call and that that's included in all those notes I was talking about earlier. But one of the things I do to make myself feel better is that in my email inbox I have this folder called shit that will burn when we IPO. And so I have any negative email that I ever get from anyone or if it's a rejection of some kind, I put it in this folder mm-hmm. and it just makes me feel better um, and I just move on. And so I, for anyone out there who has any, uh, <laughs> who holds resentment towards any negative responses, create your own folder, call it whatever you want, and then at some point you can click on that folder and, and prove people wrong for all the That's all awesome. the people who thought differently. I had a friend who, at the end of the school year with her kids, would start a fire in the fireplace and have all the paperwork from that year uh, thrown in to completely cleanse the end of the year and start the next year off anew. Yeah. I tell you, it, it, it helps. Yeah. Having that kind of ritual of how to process these things is always, always helpful. It's when I feel like when you just hold that in, it, it starts having mental and physical uh, complications. Yes. How do you think that developed for you? Where did that come from? Uh, I, well, my dad's certainly a role model. My dad's not an angry person. And so he's always been very, very patient and taught me to be patient from a very early age. Uh, and then I, I, I think like right around 2008, I had a near death experience. Uh, and it was a close call. And I think that was, uh, probably a transitional moment for me in my life because I was at things very very differently after that like I stopped sweating the, the small things and really had an appreciation for for other things that we sometimes overlook and so I don't take things too seriously which also can helps contribute so you know like I just don't ever think it's the end of the world for some of the things that happen to us that we get stressed over right and you know so um, I would say those are probably two things that, that help with that that have helped shape who I am well, one, I, I'm glad you made it through that. I'm sorry that you had to go through that near-death de- experience. And then two, I saw your post uh, for your father on Father's Day, and I felt like it was really touching. Uh, so hearing you talk about your father, I was hoping we'd get to that, and you, you jumped into it already. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to my dad. Yeah. He's also named Oscar. He's also Oscar. Yeah. Oscar Sr. and I'm Oscar Jr. That's awesome. Do you, do you have a nickname at home? or? Uh, well, so everyone technically calls my dad by his middle name, which is, uh, in English it's Rene, but in Spanish it's Rene. So I'm also Oscar Rene. So they call me Renecito, which is little Rene. <laughs> That's awesome. And then sometimes they cut that even more in half, and they call it, um, like another nickname for Rene is Nechi. 
So that's what they call my dad. And then I am Nachito. So as you can see, <laughs> basically a smaller version of my dad. That's awesome. Um, Even in terms of names. In your pitch, when, when we uh, were in the accelerator together, I felt that your story, that how you started off your pitch was so endearing and very strong about um, Spanish being your first language and then about when you volunteered uh, working with kids uh, doing some of these things. That was the first time you saw people just like you doing, doing some of the stuff that you love to do. Um, do, you, do, do you mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I, I went to a school district that was predominantly white. Um, there were some underrepresented minorities, but they, there weren't very many of us, and there weren't many who took on the same interest I did doing the math Olympiad and, and the robotics teams. I was pretty much the only Latino in the classroom at times. And then when I got to college, that changed a little bit because it was a lot more diverse. And uh, after graduating from college, I was volunteering at a local after-school program. I'd go on Mondays and Thursdays, and a lot of these kids, like some of them, all of them, sometimes were all Latino, African-American, Native American, and it was just a different... It, it didn't really hit me until a couple where I was working with kids who didn't speak English very well, so I had to teach some, some concepts and topics in Spanish. And I remember like driving home one day and thinking, wow, these are all kids that that um, I really had a chance to work with that probably all have the same motivation. They just don't have anyone in their life to introduce this and show them that it's a possible outcome in their life if, if they decide to pursue it. So um, that I ended up doing that for a few more years. And then that, that ended up turning into another interest. I was um, executive director of a rowing organization in Rochester, New York called Cross Currents. Okay. Uh, and the, our mission there was to teach uh, people of color how to swim and how to row because I rowed in college. Nice. And so um, it was, you know, again, it, working with, with people who might not otherwise have the opportunity to do certain things. And it was a great because they were uh, obviously doing something healthy. They were eating healthy. And they were a lot of uh, some of these people ended up introducing the sport to their kids. And some of these kids have gone on to get uh, rowing scholarships at colleges. That's amazing. Again, you know, uh, just like little things like that. Uh, but that's, um, that became, I definitely held on to that as much as I could. And now we're, even now with Thimble in the very beginning, our first pilot was with the boys and girls club. So we were working with kids who had never picked up a soldering iron before, didn't even know what engineering meant. So, uh, we, David and I would go in and work with some of these kids on building our very first projects that were mere prototypes, and we would get feedback, but then also try and generate, uh, we would also um, generate these surveys and and have kids fill them out and measure there was an increase in interest, and um, almost all the time, they were, they were definitely pumped to be doing something like that. That's amazing, man, and, and really why you know, through the whole course of knowing you through the accelerator, I was really pulling for you to win one of the prizes because I, I like to root for startups who have a connection to what they're doing and are motivated by some of their own life experience. And I think that really shone through for a couple of the people in the, in the program. 
And for you specifically, it was so cool to hear your story unfold, even though we only had an eight minute pitch uh, to hear the beginning part of that and then what you're doing um, from that that point of view. You're doing great work, man. Yeah, That's awesome. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. So you rode and you swim. How did you get into yeah. those, those things? You know, it's silly for rowing. We didn't have a, we didn't have a rowing team in high school, but I remember when I was applying to college, I saw a college brochure and I remember seeing a team rowing on, I think it was Georgetown that I was looking at and they were, they had a crew team rowing on the Potomac river. And I thought, that's really cool. I would love to do that. I also swim in high school, so I've always okay. just loved the water. Um, but then the whole rowing thing, I tried it out my freshman year. They had, um, they had a, um, like a general interest meeting for incoming students and went, ended up connecting with a couple of the other students that had never rowed before. And before you know it, we were on the freshman team and, uh, ended up doing that for about three and a half years. And then that also led to my interest in becoming the director for that rowing program, uh, Crockett after I graduated. That's awesome. And you still swim. Do you, do you ever, I know you can't really recreationally row, but what motivates you? you can, keep, oh, can you? Like, yeah, you there's a, people, a or? you can, yeah, they're usually most towns have them. Uh, they're rowing clubs and you pay a fee, an annual fee and you go out on certain days. There's a coach, they're pretty organized practices and you can keep mostly at the master's level, but yeah, a ton of towns have them. As long as you have a body of water near. Well, I stand corrected. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned you weren't swimming earlier today. What does swimming do for you now when you're not on a team, or do you, do you give yourself like challenges to keep you motivated to keep going, or is it just a ritual for you? Well, so I actually just joined a master swimming uh, nearby, uh, and so I've been swimming. I got back into swimming in December and I got myself an Apple watch for Christmas and it's waterproof. So oh, nice. there's an app, there's an app called my swim pro that I downloaded on my phone. So I get, uh, I can sync it with my watch. All my workouts are on my watch when I swim. And the app also has a ton of workouts that I can choose from. And then I can just select one and then usually it's, between 30 and 60 minutes of, of swimming and then, you know, try to change it up every time. Sometimes I'll race against myself. Other times I'm just going for a moderate swim just to get some good exercise. That's great. I had no idea the Apple Watch could do that. Maybe I'll have to try to get yeah, them to sponsor Apple. this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the latest one is uh, I think the Apple, or Apple Watch 4 is, is waterproof. That's awesome, man. So I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up, but uh, you, myself, and another colleague of ours, Todd, had talked about doing a triathlon together. Um, And I kind of dropped the ball just based on my schedule right now, but I'm super excited to try to get this done at some point. Um, Me too. I've never done one before, so this would have been the first time. I've done relay marathons where I've run a leg of a race, but I've never done a relay triathlon or a full blown uh, triathlon either. Yeah, I 
super like triathlons, but it takes a long time to train. Um, so I like this idea of the three of us splitting it up. Todd being an amazing runner, you being a great swimmer, and me being an okay biker. That's not true. I know you've done a couple of long races under your belt that I could never do. So <laughs> Yeah, actually this coming weekend, uh, I, I will be doing a 150 miler and i'm really excited about that for ms um fundraising awesome good luck thank you <laughs> uh it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be interesting because i like to challenge myself even more than that and i'm doing it on a 200 dollars walmart bike that i bought in 2012 and it's a fixed gear bike so i like to up the challenges of what i do well, I hope you do. I'm sure you're going to kill it. So <laughs> take pictures and send some over. I will. Maybe I'll FaceTime you on my <laughs> on my ride. And <laughs> I need some motivation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for it. So, Oscar, I always end our podcast with a couple questions. So um, before I get into those, is there anything that you would like to, to bring up or, or talk to our listeners about? Um. I mean, if they're interested in the headspace and and uh, want to help us connect with schools, mostly middle schools and high schools, I'd totally be grateful. And they could check us out at thimble.io. That's T-H-I-M-B-L-E, like the little symbol you put on your finger. Um, and they can also reach out to me, too, and they can uh, email me, oscar at thimble.io. All right, cool. I'll, I'll include those in the show notes so that people can go directly there if they want to contact you. Cool. All right. So I'm going to start with a question that I enjoy hearing people's reactions to. Um, what do you think is a challenge that you gave yourself that you weren't sure if you could accomplish, but you were able to achieve? And then what did you learn from that process? Hmm. Uh, I mean, the first thing that comes up is swimming. <laughs> I've been trying to reach my task from when I was in high school. And, uh, so I am still not there, but my goal is to be under one minute in swimming 100 meters. And, uh, right now I'm at 107, but when I first in the pool in December, as I, I was at like 140 something. So I've been able to save a little over 30 seconds. But it's been Which mostly... Which is a lot in swimming. That's a lot It of is. Time. Yeah, I mean, races that are won by, like, thousands of a second sometimes. Uh, so it's been mostly just... I've been on YouTube a lot, just looking at technique videos. I purchased some books on Amazon to better understand technique. So a lot of it started coming back. You know, like, swimming, you would think, once you know how to do it, it never really... You do, but there are little things in just extension and, and overall hand placement and breathing style. Um, all of that just helped contribute. And I was probably a little uh, heavier in December, so I've lost a lot of weight since then. And then my nutrition has gotten a, a, a ton better as well. It's just like I've been meal prepping, doing some strength training, so nice. taking in some protein. So you combine that, and that's, that's helped. Um, but I'm still not there yet, so me a couple months when <laughs> i get under one minute hopefully that's awesome man i think you i think you'll crush that 
So what did you learn from that process of, of shaving over 30 seconds off your time? Uh, well, one is I think once when you have a goal and you're set on doing it and you commit to it, then you can accomplish it, no doubt. It just takes time. You know, I wasn't going to accomplish that in two or three months, four months. It's been clearly over six months, and I'm still trying to get there. And some days I'm frustrated because I really want to do it, want to uh, be my time. But, you know, it's it's more of a process than anything else. But I've learned that, yeah, when I want something, I go after it. And as long as I'm serious and committed, I'm all set. Yeah, and I think just showing up when you feel disheartened by maybe the swim before or how the week's going is, is in a, in and of itself one of the most important things about challenging yourself. Yeah, I mean, those mornings where you're like, I don't feel like I'm going to jump into a cold pool right now. But then you see the clock again, you're like, all right, I said I was going to go, so I'm going to go. And then half the time, once you're in your car, it's like, all right, I'm ready. Let's do it. Yeah, once you show up, you're like, well, I'm already here. It'd be a pain in the butt to go back now, so. Yeah. That's great, man. All right, question number two is, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Hmm. I don't know. I, you know, like, I, I, so I watched X-Men when I was a kid. I always loved Jean Grey, and she was telekinetic and could move things with her mind. Um, sometimes she could, uh, she could feel what people were feeling. She could look into the head, and I don't have any interest in mind reading, but I'd I did have an appreciation for how she could move large objects. <laughs> and sometimes when I'm lazy on the couch at home thinking, oh, it'd be nice if I could just levitate that beer over there right in my hand, <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> so, um, but she's usually, she was one of the more important um, team members on the X-Men that kind of kept everybody together. Yeah, and, she, they're uh, actually talking about bringing that cartoon show back. Really? I know yeah. they did for a while. It was like 2010, they had a more modern version of it. Yeah, I think they're actually talking about the original writers and, and artists, so it looks like the continuity of the X-Men Saturday morning show we used to watch in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that I watched Saturday morning. That beginning, the theme song for it, just, it's so good. Yes. <laughs> so a I lot agree. of guitar. It's great. Um, okay, so question two, because I'm going to stay on this hour conversation because I'm a huge geek about it, which I don't know actually came through a lot when we were in the accelerator, but I am a huge geek, um, is what are your current superpowers? Um, I'm not expecting you to say you can face through walls or anything like that, but what would you consider your superpower to be? Uh, I think one of them, I'm definitely approachable which uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a pretty social guy. I used to think I was introverted, but one of my first bosses ever told me that my biggest strength was public relations and that how I'm able to have conversations and ask questions. Um, even if I might not have the answer, I'm always willing to listen. And I've always, I think I got that from my coach too. <laughs> when I swam, um, just being able to get, constructive feedback and then applying it in some way. So I think that's one. Um, I think my patience is another one. Uh, I know I mentioned it earlier in our talk, but um, I don't have all the time in the world, but if I need to wait for, 
for someone to get back to me or if I'm just waiting on someone in general. Like, I'm a pretty patient guy. Obviously, I'm not a doormat by any means, but right. um, and we're just starting a business, and we've, we've made huge changes in the last year, and sometimes it's like, all right, I don't know if it was a good decision to switch business models, but... I'm a pretty patient guy, so let's see how it let's see how it um, all comes together. Seeing that we've had over 50 schools buy our product, and I'm thinking, okay, we have enough data here to say that there's some opportunity here. Um, but anyways, so I'm a patient guy. And if I had to do one more, um, people often I smile a lot, and I think that kind of ties in with being approachable. Right. Uh, I laugh. I laugh at everything. I'm easily amused, and sometimes I laugh at people's misfortunes. <laughs> and so, uh, but like I always try to make light of everything, and that's not always a good thing, <laughs> especially when you get into fights with significant others. Right. But uh, you know, I I just always like to have a really good time, and I see the best in people um, until proven wrong, and I think that that just leads to more healthier, positive way of living, which is the I think the only way to live. Amazing. I like I like that summation of everything. Uh, I do want to point out to the listeners that Oscar was one of the finalists in our accelerator and he won one of the, the grants. So congrats on that, man. You killed it. Thanks, dude. Very Thank awesome. You. And, uh, you know, if anyone is in the ed space or is interested in anything Oscar talked about today, holler at him. I'll include all that information on the show notes. And it's been a pleasure, man. It's been an honor talking to you a little bit more in depth than our random conversations that we had at the accelerator. Same here. And we are going to do that turn up one. So yeah, it's going to, it's going to happen. Wow. We just got to make it work. I'm glad that you're patient because we're going to probably need some of that patience. I don't know if Todd is, but you better go talk to him. <laughs> I'll just sweet talk Todd. I think I can manage that. All right, man. Well, thanks for hanging out today. Thanks, Steve. I really appreciate it. And thanks again for having me. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, please send us an email at info at thepromethianproject.org. If you're interested in getting more information, you can hit us up at that same email or visit our website, www.thepromethianproject.org. If you like what you're hearing, please feel free to uh, give us a five-star review or do any kind of review that you feel is necessary. And um, hit that like, hit that share, let people know what we're doing. And as always, the most important step in any journey is the next one. We'll see you next time on Break the Chains, Find Your Flame.